What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Computer, this is Data. I'm an android. I'm an basketball. I was processing all of the information. Processing. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. Hello and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name's Tom Z, joined as always by Tim, aka Playoff Cranjers McBasketball. And Tim, we finally finished the regular season. The Lakers concluded last night with a win in New Orleans against the Pelicans. They finished with a 42 and 30 record. The seventh seed, the play in tournament is coming our way, Tim. But first, um, big crazy season just finished. Um, it's going to go down in the, you know, memory banks for all of us, whether it was uh, good, bad, what, what have you. So I don't know, just weird season, but I'm proud of the, how this team fought and uh, very still impressed that they were able to basically play 500 ball without their two superstars for the majority of the season. Yeah, absolutely. They, I mean, really tough middle to late stretch of the season, but the team didn't let go of the rope. We saw players step up, take on bigger roles, and I think get a little bit be better because of it. And now that everybody's back together, once they figure the, the chemistry out and everything's smooth again, and hopefully, you know, win this game, get into that first round, and, you know, by game two, be feeling a little bit more yourself. If they can get to that place and then have guys like, Caruso being able to do a little bit more offensively or KCP or Kuzma being able to do a little bit more offensively or THT having tons and tons of time to work on some of his, the kinks in his defense that can all be, you know, we can reap the rewards of what was a crappy situation at the time, but the team has done a good job handling. So got through it. Let's hope there's a happy ending. Cause if there's not a happy ending, I think we're going to remember this season a little bit differently. Uh, but, but we're here, man, it's time, not quite play offs, but play in. We'll take it. Yeah, absolutely. We're the guinea pigs of the season, you know, being experimented on by the NBA. Uh, Boston is in the Eastern Conference right there, which feels right that we are both <laughs> the first things, I guess, to happen to a team in the league. It's kind of funny. But, Tim, now we get to do what we do best. We get to scout, plan. Uh, we don't get to adjust, like, after multiple games, but we do, you know, to get to adjust theoretically in game to the Golden State Warriors in our 7-8 matchup. So that's what we will spend today doing, breaking down that matchup, Tim. You've done what you do best in providing a very intricate, well-sourced doc that we will go off of, try and get through as much as possible today in about an hour. But um, I, so my first thing, one of your first bullets was uh, that came to my mind when I knew this would finally be the matchup is how badly are we going to lose the drum in starting minutes uh, right off the bat? Because if they try to start Drummond, it will not go well. And there's no game two of this series, Tim. 
Mm-hmm. So if you put yourself in a first quarter hole, you have three quarters to pull yourself out before you might have to play another play in game. So if you're Vogel, do you, is this where you show off your quick hook, your quick adjustment trigger and say, Drummond, Steph, no, thank you. Draymond is going to play a lot of fives. So let's just get to AD at the five already. Is that what you uh, expect the Lakers should do? Yes. Well, it's yes, it's what they should do. I don't, I truly don't know what they're going to do. But like you said, this is one game. This isn't a series. You can't slow play the tactics. You can't play vanilla, feel each other out, and then make some adjustments once you're down 10 points and Golden State has all the momentum. You have to start this game throwing your best punches and looking at the way Golden State does their rotations and what they're good at and where they're going to beat you, the fear of playing Gasol or Drummond or hell, even Trez a little bit, is if they're playing center and they're put in ball screen situations, do you feel comfortable enough switching with them? Do you, How do you feel about them trapping or needing to recover or scramble around? If you have AD out there, you can switch things. And all of that is geared towards Steph, Steph Curry. When Steph's not in the game, don't care. You can have these guys playing. And the Lakers this season, last season, we've seen this from Vogel. They like to play that traditional big beginning of the first quarter, beginning of the third quarter. Well, the way the uh, Warriors do their rotation is they sit Steph Curry the beginning of the second and the fourth quarters. So if you do want to play Drummond, and I think you can play Drummond in this game. I think you can play Gasol. I think you can play Trez. You should not do it at the beginning of the first and third quarters. You need to just flip-flop that, start the game off, 80 at the five, and you can, theoretically, and I was playing around with the rotation tool, I was able to find a way where almost 100% of Steph Curry's minutes in this game would be matched by Anthony Davis playing the five, and almost 100% of Steph Curry's minutes sitting would be matched by having Trez out there or Drummond out there or Gasol out there, giving you that boost on the boards, getting those minutes in, um, and you're going to get a dozen or so of those minutes, but if the team starts out with Drummond, starting at the five, I that tells us a lot right off the bat. And that might be uh, Tim goes and places an in-game bet kind of situation because there's even if you do want to play Drummond, there's zero reason to start the game with him out there and expose yourself to those Curry attacking Drummond or attacking Gasol minutes. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I agree. And I actually think if we were going to start someone else, it should be Caruso um, because I've liked a lot what I've seen. I think that Schroeder, Caruso, KCP, LeBron, AD is a, a you know fair perspective matchup uh, or a fair perspective kind of playoff like five for the Lakers. Um, so and, you know, cross guard matchups uh, like if you put Wes out there, I'm just a little bit worried if you do have to switch like a you know, one, three screen or something, or get up and transition and Wes is on staff and he's just going to stop on a dime and, and, th- you know, get threes quite often, even though, you know, Wes is a solid defender. It's just not, you know, suited for his skill set down there. So, uh, no, I'm with you there, uh, as far as the center rotation, but the likelihood is still to me that they'll start Drummond, but we will see if Frank is really going all, you know, crazy you know, adjustment playoff full switch flipped mode for this game coming up. But uh, what about Marcus Gasol? Is that like full on not playable as well for you? Or maybe a little bit, you know, maybe with some backup units um, that LeBron, like, 
uh, Gasol uh, lineup looked pretty good the other night too. Uh, so it's still looking good. Lots of back cuts from LeBron. That's it's looking pretty sweet. Yeah, I, I'll say that group has success offensively. I can see how that group can succeed defensively. For me, I still like if I'm going to play a traditional center, it's going to be in the beginning of the second and fourth quarter when Steph's not out there and. What who I would pick be, would be based on how the Lakers handle the rest of the rotations. Normally, we've seen either LeBron or AD on court at all times. In that last game, which you could kind of look up look at as like a tune up game for this, LeBron and AD both sat at the beginning of the second quarter. So if that were the case, I'd want Gasol out there. If I'm yeah. if if I got no LeBron, no AD, no AD, yeah. I'm putting Gasol in there and adding that extra organization, adding you know somebody who can help facilitate that offense. If you are going to have one of those two star players out there, I'm less worried about that. I personally still lean Gasol. Um, I think Drummond can help you on the boards, but this is a defense that attacks you in certain ways. We're going to talk about later. I'm more worried about the spacing and I would much rather have Gasol as a a pressure release guy, as a stand at the top of the key and be able to, you know, swing the ball to him, go run a dribble handoff or run a pin down, like create extra offense. If the first thing doesn't work, because a lot of times the first thing's not going to work. Um, And then just, you know, I'm not trying to kill this team on the offensive boards. We've saw, did you see Draymond's comments after the game? Uh, He's, he's talked about, team after team has tried to attack this eight man rotation by like beating them on the boards and being bigger than them. And it doesn't work. It, it just, it has not worked. So instead of following that game plan that just has not worked team after team after team, play your best guy, play, play your, your best center at center. And that's Anthony Davis and play a different style of basketball that attacks what golden States weaker at. And that would be spreading them out and creating better one-on-one situations for your star players. So I think that's how we'll see this center rotation handled. I think you bring up a good point, maybe starting AC. What I'm thinking is starting Schroeder, KCP. I think I'm going to start Wes, LeBron, and then AD. And then the way I would match that up would be, uh, I would, I think with Steph Curry, Schroeder is a good on-ball option. Caruso and KCP are also good on and off-ball kind of guys. They can defend well on ball screens. They can de- defend well in the off screen situations, shoot or not as much, but you have three dudes there that you can put on Steph Curry. And I would be mixing that up throughout the game. So part of what Steph makes Steph so great is his stamina. And it's not just that he like runs fast. It's that he's running fast all the a time. Lot. Yes. And when you have one dude on him, you put Dylan Brooks on him. He did a pretty good job that last game for a while. And then he got tired and then he got in foul trouble. The Lakers can have three players that they can put on him at different points in time so that, you know, even if Steph's uh, stamina bar is going down a little bit slower than everybody else's, you're able to get fresh legs in there on him. And I would be rotating that matchup around. But to start with, I would probably put of that starting group, I'd throw, I don't know, either Schroeder or KCP on Steph. The other one on Bay is more Wes on Wiggins, get that kind of wing stopper defense. I'd throw AD on Kevon Looney, who's been starting, and then LeBron James on Draymond Green. Because LeBron's that helper. LeBron's going to rotate well. Draymond's somebody you can help off of. And then if they run that Draymond, Steph pick and roll, you just switch that with LeBron. And I feel I feel okay about that. Um, so I think that's how I'd start off. When I was looking at who would play, who wouldn't play, this isn't a game you can play Macklemore. His off-ball defense and the, the importance of off-ball rotational defense in this game is going to be imperative. So I, I couldn't find him minutes. THT is somebody that... He's, I think, the 10th man in my 10-man rotation, and I'd play him a stint. And if Golden State is helping off of him when he's on offense the same way they were against John Morant in a way that was really disruptive to that Memphis offense, 
if you can't adjust to it, we haven't seen the Lakers adjust to it well, you just don't play THD that second stint. And I think you can, you can get away with like a nine and a half man rotation where you have uh, Keith, I think I'd throw out there if you trust his three pointers. Um, I, I'd have Trez or Drummond or Gasol, whichever of those centers playing those second and fourth quarter minutes, uh, beginning of the second, fourth quarter minutes, uh, Crusoe, Schroeder, KCP, Wes, Kuzma, LeBron, and AD, I think it's my 10 man, nine man group. Okay. I like that. Um, so what we didn't see in new Orleans was Trez or the aforementioned Ben McLemore. Um, we've been seeing this, you know, Frank kind of spot relieve a couple of these guys as he actually has like 11 guys he could play in any given night. But, um, I don't know about Keith minutes yet. I feel like that would be a bit of a leap of faith right now, considering how he's played the last month, but like, it's just Wes is rounding into playoff form. Mark Mm -hmm. is rounding into playoff form. So it makes some of these like Mark or Trez decisions, you know, like Keith or Wes or Kuz even, you know, makes that a little bit easier when, you know, you know, you're probably going to get 40 minutes from Braun AD, you know, so some of the rest of sprinkling around minutes is a little bit easier to do. Um, If you're cutting out, yeah, we're going to cut out Ben, but then like Trez, like maybe, but you know, Mark, you're playing well. So like, let's keep riding this recent, like nine man rotation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, if they, another approach is if they do want to play a traditional center and we're going to see 80 at the four instead of 80 at the five, you cut Keith out of this and and the rest is pretty much good as is. It just changes the way you need to defend specific actions. And, and we'll get to that, but there, I see two potential paths for the Lakers rotationally. Each route has a set of, you know, a different game plan based on who's out there. And I think either can work. Um, it's so, just, I'd want to throw my best punch. It's a one game series. Like it, right. thinking back to last year, we'd have games, you lose a game because he shot poorly or this guy turned the ball over or I don't know. They, they ran this tactic and this wasn't working and we figured it out the next game. All of that, pick one, pick any one of those games. That's what's it's going to be this time. So you yeah. just have to do the best you possibly can. That's curious about Draymond's comment because so you think, I think they will start Andre Drummond first off, and Andre Drummond, LeBron AD front court. I don't see the Warriors like getting a ton of you know defensive rebounds and and and. I think the Lakers could like just, you know, raw force that game plan down the Warriors throats and force them to like go super small. And then that's when we see AD at the five was when, you know, you got your Draymond back at the five and they're just like running and gunning spacing team. It's, it's a situation where what you try to gain with the rebounding needs to be worth what you're giving up in defending Steph Curry. And it needs to be worth the limitations that that brings. And it needs to be worth the step down and spacing you're going to get on the offensive end. So it can be worth it. What worries me is that other teams have tried it and have not Mm -hmm. succeeded. And you can say the Lakers are more physical. No one's like the Lakers were the best, you know, Lakers exceptionalism, but it hasn't been a winning formula. Well, to be fair, no other team has offensive rebounding like Anthony Davis and Andre Drummond. Okay. Like full stop. mm -hmm. The Warriors do a good job of rebounding with their guards as well. 
Wiggins had 10 rebounds. Steph had seven rebounds. Bazemore had a rebound. Poole had a couple rebounds. Mulder had a couple rebounds. They, they are small. They know they're small. This isn't a suddenly we're bigger and they're small thing. They've been small for a month and they've played like the best team in the NBA for the past month. And they've done that by rebounding with all five guys. And I do think we can gain an advantage. We will have an advantage on the rebounding side of things with those dudes in there. I just don't know if it'll be as big as we think it'll be. And I don't know if it'll be worth it because for me, what this game comes down to is if you can defend Steph the way I'd like to defend Steph, where you can be switching ball screens uh, and having AD on him and you force him to just ISO a bunch and beat you, this is a completely different offense and they're not going to beat the Lakers offense. Whereas if you are constantly worried about Drummond and Gasol containing uh, your trapping or catch hedging that turns it into one of those games where Steph can take 23s. Um, I was looking at the film of that last game against Memphis. A lot of his threes, a lot of his makes were because Valanciunas couldn't contain him or couldn't, or wasn't showing hard enough or things that would translate to our big guys. And Valanciunas killed him on the boards. He got him extra possessions. He was doing the right things for Memphis that you'd want him to do. And was still like a big minus, I don't know what it was, minus 15 or something like that. Because Golden State wants you to do that because they know that's their one source of good offense. And they're, they know it's like, you know, Steph Curry being able to go off is worth needing to lower your transition to get back on the boards. So I don't know. I think it's a, I, I think it's a legitimate decision that the team's going to have to make and both sides have merits. That's just the side of the fence I stand on, but I think we can certainly cover both routes because both are certainly feasible. No, I think it's a simple thing for the audience to watch in the game as well. So when you're watching the game, what is the Lakers offensive rebounding look like? You know, what are their defensive rebounding look like? What is the, what is the staff equation look like when he's stepping mm-hmm. up from those super high screens? Um, because lately I got to say Tim, I got to give Drummond a lot of credit in some of the stuff he's done in pick and rolls lately, where he's actually shown a sense of urgency and trying to, uh, like, uh, you know, attack a guy and then like recover with some oomph, you know what I mean? He's gets mm-hmm. a little lackadaisical before is what I, what I was so frustrated to watch. Yeah. He's been better. Um, and for me, like that's, that's actually where I started thinking, you know, that's the path to go. And the more film I watched, the more I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think we just need to switch. It's not worth this, the one game. Yeah. It's, it's this team. It, 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 there's a spectrum in the NBA of, of teams being able to attack four on threes or three on twos. The Lakers are on one end and we've talked about that. The Warriors are in com- the complete opposite direction because every team they face is trying to take away Steph and he's constantly getting two guys on him. So they are super organized, vi- tons and tons of reps. No, Steph is one of the three players in the NBA uh, according to second spectrum who has been blitzed more than he's been switched against in ball screens and just constantly all day long, short roll four on three with Draymond running things, or you, you trap Steph, he throws it ahead to the next guy in the perimeter. Then they pass it to Draymond and then it's a three on two. And they're just so good at that, that I don't care if it's me or you or Andre Drummond or Anthony Davis blitzing Steph Curry, it's going to be hard to recover because they're going to, they're going to score in that three on two in like two seconds instead of like four and a half seconds, like the Lakers are going to take. So that's, that's the fear that I have where you need to be able to, avoid putting two players on Steph Curry. Cause this is an offense completely in every facet does whether it's him on ball or off ball designed to beat having two players on Steph. 
And the Lakers are one of the few teams in the NBA that with AD out there, with LeBron, with Keith, with Kuz, you can play guys at those bigger positions and be able to switch and force them to knock it corner threes and dunks, because that's what they get when you play four on three against them. Uh, I'd much rather live with Steph Curry hitting crazy shots in ISO and I don't know, maybe AD looks dumb a possession or two because he's stumbling around because Steph's dancing around. That's worth it to me because that's a losing uphill battle for the Warriors. Okay. Okay. I, I see you broke down a rotation here. Um, let's kind of get into that. As previously mentioned, you had uh, West starting in the three spot with, you know, LeBron at the four, AD at the five. Um, you also chose to have KCP uh, be the primary on Steph. Yeah. That, I've gone back and forth. Sure. I was going to say, because yes, he can like use a lot of energy and run around screens and stuff, but he seems to have been on ball quite a bit the last month or so, um, which I guess KCP is a bit bigger in theory. Uh, I guess to me, again, this is maybe where I prefer Caruso and just like, don't fuck with it. You know, don't fuck with, with what you got, I guess. Well, the thing um, is, so so would you start? You would start instead of Wes. You'd start Caruso. I would. Yes. Okay. The thing there for me is then you have Schroeder, KCP, and Caruso. The three guys I have all on the court at the same time, and then once you need to start getting to your bench unit, I, I just wanted to make sure I had someone out there at all times that could defend him. So there isn't a minute where Steph is going to play where in the rotation I put together I don't have one of out there and if two are out there at the same time if it's Schroeder and KCP I leaned KCP I went tiebreaker being his off ball off screen defense being better but I do think you need to mix up who's on him not from a like these are different styles of defenders standpoint but from a fresh leg standpoint mm. no because I think that's a good look, point I think that's a good point yeah no in in looking at who Golden State uses. They have an eight-man rotation. They have Curry, primary ball handler. These are their offensive archetypes. Bazemore, stationary shooter. You can you can rest against him if you are the other guard that's you know taking your couple minutes off from Curry. And you do need to rotate and all that, but right. Bazemore's not running around screens. Poole and Mulder are movement shooters. Wiggins is a shot creator. And then you have JTA and Draymond as stretch bigs, even though neither of them are really hitting threes. And then Kevon Looney is a roll and cut big. Those are the only players they have. So it, one, like, I, I don't know. I, I think mixing it up with who's on Steph and then letting those other players just focus on rotating and defense and all of that is, is the way to go. And actually speaking of that, just how I was saying KCP is good with the off screen stuff against mm-hmm. Steph, he would also be better a guy to have off ball rotating instead of Schroeder. If right. you do get into a four V three. So each potential dude has their own merits and drawbacks, but mm-hmm. it's going to have to be a team effort. I think that's true. So what do you expect to happen first? The catch hatch pick and roll coverage, Steph starts to beat it and then they go full blitz. Or do you think they'll kind of start there from the blitz trap? Because the Lakers have shown last off season, or excuse me, last postseason that they're pretty good on those weak side, you know, rotations. And yeah, it's a lot harder when you have Draymond, he's going to make the right decision. But if the ball's going to land in Juan Toscano Anderson or Andrew Wiggins in the corner, that's not the worst thing for the Lakers. Yes. An open shot is mm-hmm. not good, but in comparison, you know what I mean? 
you'd rather Draymond maybe challenge Anthony Davis in like a recovering role and make him score by himself or something like that. Yeah. I, I would assume the team would start catch charging. Yeah. And then mid quarter one, mid first yeah. quarter, they, they switch to trapping if they need to, hopefully they don't wait too long. If it's clearly not working. Yeah. I, if I'm starting AD at the five, I'm out there switching right away. Um, if they are starting Dr- Drummond, which is, I think, I know it's what you're expecting. It's what yeah. I'm expecting too, but I'm hoping <laughs> won't happen. I, I'd guess catch edge first and then they start trapping. And for me, the, the difference between those two things on ball is if you're trapping, you need to be trapping hard. You need to yeah. be hands in the passing lanes. Um, Steph, when he gets trapped, he has two reads. These are the only two guys I've seen him really pass to on any sort of volume he will either get it to the short roll to that screener or the way the Warriors will run their ball screens is they'll have Steph at the right wing. They'll have shooters in the corners. They'll have Juan Toscano Anderson at like the left wing and then Draymond come and set a ball screen. So Steph has space to drive middle, but when you trap him, he's going to just make that really quick pass from the right wing to the left wing to Juan Toscano Anderson. And then he will be the one to hit Draymond on that short roll. Um, and once Draymond catches, he's in the middle of the court. It's him and two shooters against two defenders. Mm -hmm. And if you stop, it's either a layup or if you stop the layup, there's one defender for two different corners. So that's how easy they're able to turn the situation into. And it's, it's just perfect game planning. The three on two with those players in those positions is just unguardable. But that's Um, what I'm saying about Draymond where his weakness, right. Is actually attacking the basket to score it these days. So if you have Anthony Davis kind of around there as kind of like on the shooter of kind of Toscano and then can recover to Dre, it's an insane expectation, but he can do it. You know what I mean? You need to turn the three V two that they try to create into a four V three. And the way you do that is by, Here's what here's what I've seen work successfully. We've seen so the Suns have played this team recently. Utah has played this team recently, and Memphis has played this team recently. They've tried a bunch of different things. We they, we've seen everything in the book between those three games, and some of it worked, some of it did not work. The Lakers, I think, are well equipped to do what worked and uh, implement it in their own game. So the Suns and also Memphis a bit. What they did weak side was they're they're trapping on ball, and then with their three weak side guys. They have one player zoning up the weak side corner. Mm-hmm. Um, they've got one guy who's going to go strong side block or mid post. And then one guy who's completely taking away that pressure release valve to Juan Toscano Anderson. So when Steph gets trapped, if he tries to throw from the right wing to the left wing, that's a pick six for a dunk on the other end. And we've seen him, he made those bad reads four times, I think in the two games I looked at, Mm -hmm. uh, at at those two specific games. So he'll make that bad pass. If that's not there, if he tries to throw the skip pass, you've got a guy in position. And actually sometimes instead of the the Warriors doing two corners, they'll do Juan Toscano Anderson at the wing and then two shooters pretty much next to him in the same corner. So you can zone those up and recover if he throws that far skip pass. The other read he has is to that short roll to Draymond on, we'll say he's starting at the right side of the court along that right wing going along the right sideline and by having a defender in position over there, if there are two shooters on the opposite side of the court, you've got a guy that's in position to take care of that. You don't need Andre Drummond or Anthony Davis or whoever to try to recover and then get on Draymond's back and try to block him at the rim. You've got a dude in position. 
if he catches that ball, you rotate your two weak side defenders down. Um, so instead of one guy on two shooters weak side, he just covers the corner. And then instead of somebody fronting Juan Toscano Anderson, he rotates down to the second shooter. And then Drummond or AD or whoever can just rotate over to Juan Toscano Anderson. And you just kind of do a, a little nice rotation. Everybody bumps down a piece. And that way you continue to not have two guys on the ball. Cause that's what the Warriors want to do where they beat you is on that short roll. If somebody rotates baseline and somebody's chasing Draymond, you've got two guys on the ball. They again, still have a four V three or a three V two or a two V one. So if you can rotate in smart ways to always have one person on the ball, not give up dunks, not give up layups, not give right. up corner threes, but not have two players on them you're in a, a better position. That's where I bring up Anthony Davis. And if, you know, LeBron can make an incredible, like jump the passing lane steal the way he did against New Orleans, that was kind of the play where I looked and I was like, Oh, he looks okay. Like physically that looks like LeBron seeing a passing window and just shooting the gap straight into it. But that's what the kind of thing he'd have to do right with Anthony Davis kind of having to guard two guys and mm -hmm. if because uh you know tim what how, what's draymond's grade on three-point shot making i think it's like an f he, what's his he's grade not, on finishing he's a shooter i think also an f what's his grade on playmaking uh an a so that's what he's there to do right we know yeah. what he's gonna do and the idea is to stop him from getting those opportunities. And honestly, there were a couple times last time I think we played like the, the Warriors where Draymond just went straight to the basket on some of these because we actually left him like, I think mm -hmm. on purpose, like, no, you have to make that crazy play. And I still think Anthony Davis has a solid chance of blocking that, like running, he, recovering he from it. He, it. It's all about positioning, though, because right. in theory, yes. But if it's two shooters in corners and Draymond in the middle and you've got two defenders, I don't like 80 can't guard the rim and also the corner at the same time. If Draymond's catching at, if Draymond's <laughs> catching below the free throw line, he's screwed. So it's, it's about because you, so the idea would be with trapping instead of catch hedging, you force the pass out earlier. And with the pass coming out earlier, Draymond needs to catch higher, which then lets AD kind of play both players. If Draymond's able to catch low enough, and, and the Suns are good at this. The Warriors are good at this. If you catch hedge, they're going to string out that hedge a bit enough to get your roller down deeper and then get the ball to him. And then it's a tougher 3v2. So trapping forces the ball out quicker and it makes the rotations easier. Might draw some turnovers. We saw the Jazz did a good job with this. Memphis did a good job with this. Either jumping passes, jumping the short roll, or getting hands in passing lanes. Because Curry is a, I mean, a, a relatively smaller guy. He's not a small player. But uh, like get hands in those passing lanes. Those are the two reads he's right. making. He's not trying to score in those right. situations. But when they generally, right? And sorry, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, but when they trap Steph, they'll just start running that screen higher, right? So there's even more space to cover. But I think that's actually in the Lakers' benefit, to your point. Like if Draymond catches that mid-roll around like the free throw circle, like the top of the free throw circle, I actually think that they can recover in their rotations. But what do you think? They, they can this would be a situation where, and we've, I've, I've been through these scenarios where in practice, we put tape from sideline to sideline above the three-point line. And we say, if this ball screen is above here, we are not trapping. I don't, I don't care mm -hmm. what our coverage is. We're going under that. If he's going to shoot logo threes and beat us, he's going to shoot logo threes and beat us. He might hit one. He's not going to hit five yeah. in a game. Um, so in those situations, and we saw Memphis did a, a, a okay job with this they just go under those and yeah. then the Warriors are just reset the screen lower and lower and lower. So 
those are the situations where you have to have some nuance. It can't be, we're going to trap all the time, no matter where you are. Some high IQ players. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because all the warriors need to do is set the screen higher. And then like you're saying, they're able to get Draymond with a head of steam catching and attacking with a big space behind that screen. So it's, it, I, I think like you're bringing up, it's about making Draymond a score, a three point shooter or a finisher. Right. Kavon Looney is another guy that like, if he's in the short role, I'm, I'm okay. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors. According to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. With that, like he's mm. not going to beat up. He's going to make the first read he sees. Same with Juan. He's making the first read he sees for the most part. Um, These are not guys that are reading the floor the way Draymond does. So that's why switching and avoiding the situation entirely continues to be an appealing option for me. All right, man. Well, let's take a quick break and come back and finish the rest of this. uh, Talk about some of their other offensive engines, the game plan in general, and, uh, and more. Sugar Ray Leonard. Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. For the ones standing guard, for the eagle-eyed, for the knights in shining armor, and for all those who support them, we are Granger. Your experienced safety partner, offering supplies and solutions for every industry, committed to helping keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com slash safety or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, coming back from break, Tim. Um thing we haven't talked much about, obviously. This is a staff team, but Wiggins is playing well right now. Um, He's playing to what you think the Warriors probably wanted from him, maybe expected from him when they got him as some, as a wing who can score and kind of play defense. So I'm not expecting Wiggins to exactly give LeBron James a hard time, but he gives them a different element of some athleticism, some finishing uh, and some three point shooting these days. So how do you see them kind of guarding the Wiggins actions in this game? Yeah, good question. He defensively, that wing stopper guy, same with Bays more so they can play LeBron AD or not AD, but that's what they do on that side. On offense, Wiggins has run an okay number of ball screens. It's his most frequent half court action. And he does a good job getting to the rim on those by catch hedging those he's not getting to the rim and, and you kind of shut that down. He's also not a pull three point shooter. Um, 
he's somebody that like drop coverage has worked against him a decent bit, but I would Mm. just say, don't let him try to get to the rim at all. Um, and just catch hedge that keep him from getting downhill. Um, that's something they'll go to a lot when Steph's not in the game. Right. right. And then a lot of the rest of his offense is like spotting up or attacking in transition, running the wing. And those aren't things that you really game plan to try to defend. Um, he can hit some threes. Like you just have to, I mean, he's going to get fed some easy shots and be really efficient on those. Yeah. Cods, all that stuff. He's going to be efficient on that. He's, he's fit into their system, has a high enough IQ. He's doing well there. If he turns into a guy that's needing to isolate and create in ball screens, you're in a pretty good situation as a defense because as an ISO scorer, he's, I mean, he's been a little bit above that. Like he's been good but he's not a guy that's going to beat you on high volume. And with the Lakers defense, I feel pretty good about who we have available to guard him. So he's not someone that I'm super concerned about, but he's someone that like, if you don't box him out or if you Mm -hmm. get back cut, or if you put two guys on the ball and he becomes available on an open corner three, he's going to knock those shots down. He's going to put up some points and he's going to look good. So I think making him look good or bad has a lot to do with how you defend Steph. Um, and again, like I would live with Steph and, and Wiggins isolating and trying to attack one V one all day yeah. long. I'm, I'm good with that, but yeah, I, I think you have some options with him. I'd catch edge ball screens and respect him as a shooter uh, and know that he's going to cut and he's going to try to get offensive rebounds. So you need to box out on him. Yeah. I mean, he's probably uh, in this situation, a second page scout of the scouting report guy, but there is a full scouting report. He's playing well. Like I said, he can be a cutter in some of those four on three, three on two situations and just use his athleticism to get a contested layup. And he's, he's fine. You know, he's fine. He's looks like a fine NBA player, which is not something you thought you could say a while back, but other stuff mm-hmm. we'd have to consider as far as them uh, offensive engine wise is we kind of briefly mentioned the Steph off screen stuff, you know, Steph pick and roll or Steph handoff is kind of same idea. You know, you want to yep. switch or blitz those to take away that step up three. But uh, what do you think about the other Steph ISOs? This whole team runs through Steph in different ways and they get different things, but how do we chase him and, and contain him off screens? Maybe. Yeah, that's it's tough because it's not as simple as like they're going to run 40 pin downs. They are going to have him like set. They're going to get the ball into the post to Draymond and then Steph's going to set a back screen for someone cutting to the rim. And if you don't help on it, it's a dunk. If you do help on it, then Steph's running off of a split cut or a flare screen or something. So it gets tricky. I am going to fall back on. If you've got AD out there at the five, you can switch stuff. And this team has multiple non shooters. So you can sag off of them and just have someone to put a hand up against Steph. Don't let him catch and shoot easy threes. If he catches, has a mismatch, and then has to dance around and try to attack it, his tendencies and the efficiencies look better for the Lakers from that standpoint. So defending him off screens, know that he, as a shooter, from a tendency standpoint, he's almost always coming off straight. He's not curling a bunch. He's not fading a bunch. And what that means is if you can lock and trail really well, like KCP can, Lock and trail him hard, force him to try to curl. Cause he's not going to curl. He's going to catch. And if you're on his back, he just won't shoot. Um, he's not someone that will curl and, and drive to the rim knowing that you're on his back. Cause you were trailing. Uh, if you go under his screens, which if it's, if there are multiple screens, I don't know if I do this, but if it's just one screen and you can go under, he's not been a guy this year that's going to read that and then fade off of that because that is what's open. If, if you're going to meet him to where he's running, and he doesn't, he's not this year read that well, well, 
you kind of take that action away. So you can go under some pin downs. You can go under some flare screens, dare him to break his tendencies and start fading stuff. Um, teams have tried top locking him, which can work, but the, the Warriors know this and they face this like a hundred times this year. So they know what's open when you are on his high side, when you're not letting him run towards the ball is a back cut. And instead of just having the paint clogged and, and having everything shut down, they'll clear the paint out and they'll give him space to back cut. So it, you, you can't do the same thing over and over again. Um, and I, you could try top blocking, but they're just so ready for that, that I would probably avoid that. This is another thing where like switching can work, switching and then having your big sag to take away any potential cuts or slips. Right. Um, if you're going to switch, have a hard contact switch. Don't just point to each other because when you have two defenders pointing to each other, the space in the middle is usually where that screen is slipping through. So if you come together and then switch, and you kind of like hand off, almost like you have a baton, you hand off that offensive player, you're not going to get beat with those slips that the, the, the Warriors like to run. And then you have someone on the other side there to meet Steph. So I'd be looking to do that, potentially go under some of these. You can top block a little bit. Um, it's it's going to be high volume. The, I think the biggest thing is like you can't fall asleep and you got to switch up who's on him. A lot of his ball screens that don't work, turn into him as soon as he passes is going to sprint right back over to the guy he just passed to and get a handoff or sprint over to someone else and run off of a, a flare screen or a pin down. So you can't fall asleep. One, if, if he passes, you can't just go watch the pass. You have to stay locked in on Steph. So that's something to worry about. And then you ask about the Steph handoffs. Same thing as pick and roll. I think if you're going to switch pick and roll, switch these, if you're trapping pick and rolls, trap these. And then with Steph isolations, knowing his tendencies can help. He, uh, when he's isolating, he's like nine to one ratio of trying to score versus trying to pass to dude. So sag off even more. No, he's, he's trying to score, you know, send help from his weak side. This is going to be a game where like if AD on the weak side is, is, you know, he knows Steph isn't looking his way. He can just run over and swat the hell out of a a shot, a step back shot. Um, We saw Utah do this pretty well. They would send extra help on his ISOs and he didn't read it. So that's something to take a look at when he is isolating. He has an 85% tendency to drive versus like Chris Paul, somebody who's going to dribble around, you know, size you up and then shoot a three Steph's driving and then either getting to the rim or shooting his step back or shooting a floater. So uh, I would, you know, you can't sag off of him, but know that's happening. Be ready as help defenders to go over that way. And then I would shade him to his weak side. So uh, he, when he's driving to, his right, he gets to the rim about 50% of the time. When he's driving to his left and ISO, he gets to the rim about 25% of the time. So I would shade him towards his left, um, even though he runs a lot of his ball screens to his left. I, in ISO, he's been a little bit weaker that way. I think, yeah, they're one of the you know few teams in the league, like the Lakers, that actually start two non-shooting players, really, with Draymond and uh, Looney. But that's you know kind of what they have to do right now. So you can use that to your point and really clog up the paint when um, in isolation situations, like it, their offense, unless they're moving a ton and cutting and passing the way Kerr wants them to, they really don't have the the physicality the size to you know and the spacing to allow them to get to the rim on a consistent basis to get to get paint looks and even if they do start drumming um 
you know, like I think they can maybe, like I said, get away with some of that. If the shots aren't falling, like uh, the Steph shots, if the Lakers play decent defense, Steph gets an okay look, but the, he isn't 11 from 23 from three, you know, mm-hmm. they might be able to that, like that might be enough uh, to kind of win that math problem. But Lakers are going to have to get to the free throw line and still use their size because that is one of their biggest advantages here um, in this game. In Steph, I was looking at the numbers. He's shooting. Hang on. Let me, let me double check this. He's shooting uh, 42% on his pull-up threes this year, which is just a crazy number. And he takes the second most attempts per game. Um, 42%. That's higher than anybody other than Ingles and Middleton. Uh, who shoot on any sort of volume and Steph shoots more threes than those two guys combined. So he's just crazy, crazy good at those pull up threes, but half of them are coming from his pick and rolls. So Mm. if you're trapping or if you are catch hedging or you're switching, you take away half of his pull up three point volume and go look at the Memphis game. A ton of those 20, 22, whatever it was, three point attempts were from pick and rolls. And if you could take that away, that's the upside of this offense is right there. If you can take that away, there goes the upside to this offense. Steph's not going to shoot. He's not going to score 60 points. He's not making 12 threes. He's not shooting 20 threes if you're switching or you're trapping well. So that that is why it's so imperative to either be more aggressive or or switch and try to take that away. Um, once you get him inside the three-point line, his pull-up two-point shots are uh, 45%, a little bit lower than his pull-up threes. Um, <laughs> but like, that's not going to beat you. Wiggins also shoots a couple pull up twos a game. They're not good. He's not good at those. They're not going to be you. Um, so you just got to take away those pull up threes and a lot of what this offense can do kind of falls apart. If, if Steph as you know, peak Steph isn't able to do peak Steph kind of things. I mean, I, I don't exaggerate saying this, but I think the Lakers have one of the best defensive guard rotations in the league. Mm-hmm. And at different points, you know, Frank can go to Dennis Schroeder, KCP, Alex Caruso, and say, hey, I need your energy bar, like pissing that guy off right now for, <laughs> for four minutes. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And then uh, THT comes in off the bench, somebody sits, and then, you know, the other one has him. And, uh, like, the other one's the ball handler. Or just, like, you know, like, body up weight. You know what I mean? They're just very specific, like, a lot of ammunition to throw at Steph to make him play uh, a fully rested uh, dog on defense every position. And despite a screen or not, that guy coming over the top, all three of those guys can can make that life hell for Steph and really push him out even further. Like I expect the the you know, like I said before, the location of the screen being set will get higher as the Lakers defense succeeds. Yep, and that's it, like that's a that's a trap. Is it has another meaning in basketball, but that's a trap. You don't want to yeah. trap that because that is playing into the Warriors' hand. So mm-hmm. you, hopefully the Lakers are seeing the same things we're seeing. Um, something I thought was really interesting from the Memphis game, Valanciunas was on the court for 89% of Steph's minutes. Steph played 39 minutes and 57 seconds. Valanciunas was on the court for 35 minutes and 29 seconds of those. And they like so, have a guy in Jaron Jackson who theoretically is like a great small ball five against this team, right? I, mean, he's, I, I, I think he's like 6'11". Yeah, like that, but he's like agile and foot speed. So yeah. it's it's better than Valanciunas. They chose they chose physicality and rebounding, yeah. and they let Steph attack constantly, yeah. and it just didn't work. So again, if you want the physicality and the rebounding, you can have it. 
Go for it. Play Drummond. Play Gasol. Play Tre- well, Gasol's not that guy, but go play Drummond or Trez. Just play them at the starts of the second and fourth quarters instead of first and third. Okay. And in theory, you can have almost all, if not all, of Steph's minutes matched with Anthony Davis. So that that is, I would, I would if that if I could tell the Lakers one thing, it would be that because I, I think that can really swing how they approach this and and what Steph is able to do. Um, oh, one more note: exit screens. We've seen the Lakers run some of these, you know, the ones where like mm-hmm. Crusoe set like a back screen or something. He'll cut through the lane and then he'll sprint to the corner and the, the guy in the corner will take a couple steps in and set a screen. The Warriors run a lot of these. They've been running this for years. Uh, if you're defending the dude in the corner, I mean, everybody just needs to communicate. Yell like exit, exit, whatever. Immediately jump out and take away that corner pass. We saw Memphis step out and just intercept some of those and again, go the other way and get some dunks and layups. So I would just do that. It's basically like a switch, but also step in the passing lane. Um, if Steph, you know, reads that you're there and tries to back cut, he's back cutting into his man to start with. So that's just a, a simple, easy way to try to take away that action. Um, overall, from a game planning standpoint, I think we've talked about everything I'm going to talk about. You focus on Steph. Don't put two on him. Depending on if you're going big or small, you can switch or you can trap, but those weak side rotations have to be on point. You got to mix up the defenders on Steph. Oh, ball pressure. Ball pressure is something that I think is really important. Mm-hmm. When a team like this has as much of their offense flowing through non like scoring kind of guys, like not dudes that like if they catch at the perimeter, they're going to beat you one-on-one, but they're good passers, get in their face, ball pressure. Don't make those back cuts. Don't make those slips. Don't make the off screen stuff easy because even if Steph curl, you know, comes off that pin down perfectly and he has a step and a half on KCP, you can cover that ground by making the pass to him a more difficult pass. So if you're trapping trap hard, if you're ball pressuring ball pressure hard and make every one of these actions that they run, that's so, so reliant on timing and ball placement just a little bit more difficult. And I think the Lakers have the personnel to do that. Um, All of those things. And this isn't an offense that you need to be scared of anymore. And it's not an offense that if the Lakers are playing up to what they can do on the other end of the court is going to be you. All right. Well, quickly here, let's, we mainly talked about defense because that's the Lakers bread and butter. Um, They're facing a a good offense, a very good offense as of late uh, since they've lost Wiseman and Oubre. Uh, But let's talk a little bit about the matchup on, on the other end of the court with the Lakers offense against the golden state defense. Now, they do have uh, Draymond Green, who, you know, I still think is should be probably in the top five defensive player of the year conversation. Um, what he can do at the, the level of the screen and with bodying guys up, I think he's an extremely valuable defender and obviously intelligent um, and telling guys where to go. All that said, Tim, they don't exactly have a murderer's row of post defenders, you know, really outside of Draymond Green, um, I would say. But is Draymond still that high level post defender that he gets credit for? Yes and no. I mean, he's still a load defensively. It's hard to move him. Uh, If you are a post player that needs to back him down and get to your post hook he's not a guy you want to go against, but if you're Anthony Davis, who most of your shots anyways, are just rising over somebody. He's yeah. not a bad matchup. Kevon Looney, uh, Pascal's not going to play, but he would be potentially the other guy that they might throw out there. Juan Toscano Anderson. Though, these aren't guys I'm scared of one V one. The yeah. issue is, and the reason the Warriors have the fifth, the best post defense in the entire NBA 
is they send a shit ton of extra help. They're they're not playing one on one. They know they're undermatched. Just with mm-hmm. everything else, they know they're undermatched on the boards in the post. So they do stuff about it. And if you ignore it, and if you just let them, you know, send extra help and use these tactics, you're you're fighting an uphill battle. But uh, if the Lakers can have everything we've been talking about for the past like three months culminate and come together and do a good job of countering post help, right. they'll be in a pretty good pretty good position because All if right. you can. They just don't have the guns to defend one-on-one. Right. So I was just going to ask, do they, uh, from what you've seen, like to double from low or high more more often? They will send help from the strong side, but then also rotate somebody in behind often. So by sending a dig or a double or something from that strong side player, and, and we saw this when the Lakers played them early in the year, the Lakers will read that as, okay, strong side help. We need to cut that player. But then by them having the weak side help that the Lakers aren't reading, that dude's cutting right into extra help. And in reality, the the vulnerability of the defense isn't from the strong side. It's it's on that weak side. It's when the it's with right. the pin and flare screens. It's with the baseline flashes. So it's it's not as simple as they come from one side or the other. It looks like they're coming from one side, but in reality, they have that side covered because that weak side help is coming as well. So that's what makes this a really really tricky matchup because it's deceptive and yeah. it's the type of thing that can result in turnovers and run outs right. the other way. So the yeah. Lakers need to scout it. Well, they need to be on point. Um, the last time we played them, the Lakers just cut that strong side every time, whether it was the right move or the wrong move. And it worked yeah. when it was the right move. Or it didn't work when it was the wrong move. And this is a place where chemistry can matter. You know, Lakers having dudes coming back from injuries, haven't had a bunch of time to work on this stuff, but I watched the film of that last game and I have hope. And I want to run you through, here's the percentage of the time a post-defense send extra help against us that we countered game by game for, for the past month. 0%, 13%, 0%, 0%, 0%, 0 44% of the time, 23%, 30%, 20%, 0%, 33%, 31%, 28%, and then yesterday, 89%. 89% countering the perfect ways to beat what the Warriors are going to do. Those baseline flashes. And if you've got Drummond in there, perfect. Because he's going to be able to flash baseline when they're sending that help. He's going to have a mismatch and he's going to have deep, deep post positioning. Caruso cutting baseline. We saw LeBron had that really nice behind the back pass to Caruso cutting layup. Um, And then the pin and flare screens. The Lakers had a season high three pin and flare screens last game against New Orleans. He had no open shots from him. So to me, this tells me two things. The Lakers, I think they figured it out. Either this is going to be the craziest blip because they almost like ran the table on countering or they figured it out and they're ready for this. And thankfully the counters they ran against New Orleans are the exact counters you need to be running against the Warriors. So I am way more confident after watching the film uh, of that last game than I was earlier this morning or, or last night because that's to me, if you can defend Steph well and you can counter the post help, you're going to win this game because like we said, they're undermatched. These are one-on-one matchups you can beat the heck out of. And if you can counter that post up well and be getting dunks and corner threes from it and they have to stop helping, AD is going to feast. So that's, that's something I'm keeping an eye out for um, and is going to be a huge, huge piece in whether, the, whether or not the Lakers win this game. This is totally anecdotal, but let me know if you if you saw the same. But I seen like 
significantly less post-ups or in isolation post-ups like the last couple of games, it feels like a lot more pick and roll actions, uh, especially with Braun getting those reps with AD, like finally getting Braun, AD, pick and roll, hits the pocket pass, dump off to Drummond. Like how many times have we seen that in the last two games? It seems like more. It's been it's been good. And the Lakers seem to realize that when they have Drummond out there and that right. spacing isn't good, you need to have it be like pass pass immediately yeah and they're positioning everybody in the right places Raj posted a great clip of like you can see LeBron pointing Drummond from one dunker spot to the other Mm -hmm. to get ready to run that play so as soon as he gets AD that pocket pass AD is able to get it over to Drummond and then he's dunking he's not laying the ball up right and when he's dunking he's as great a finisher as any well I mean no still not not, quite but 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 they're (laughs) dunk so they're gonna go in like 80 percent of the time so so yeah um to answer your question so the Lakers have the last two games, they posted up 16 and 12 times. The Knicks game, they posted up 29 times. Before that, 21, 17, 13, 21, 23, 23. So they have less. been. Yeah. So, so the past couple of games, they have been posting up less. Um, yeah. And if they're if they were in a position where they weren't countering the help well, I'd say yeah, just post up less. Like that's right. one way to solve right. the problem is to avoid the problem. Um, but if they're doing it well, and you know this is how the Warriors are going to defend you. Go ahead. I and think it's it well and kick butt. You, you've talked about like Anthony Davis being at maybe not his peak quite yet. And I think that would, you know, behoove him to not maybe ISO as much and get him, yeah, running with a pocket pass and a guy in the dunker spot. So if that help doesn't mm-hmm. come, he's got at least a nice, nice little like four foot floater. Yeah. And I think another piece of the volume changes, it's not that LeBron and AD aren't posting up because they still are. I, I don't have the numbers yeah. in front of me of their volume, but Trez didn't play those last two games. And he's somebody yeah. that when he's playing, he's giving you an extra five or six a game. So yeah. that's piece, a piece of it. And instead of that, we're replacing that with the Marcus off facilitating to cutters and handoffs and off screen stuff. So I like that better because the, I mean, that's generating better offense for the Lakers. So we'll see what that looks like against the Warriors. But if you go into this game with a good game plan about how to beat that post help, you should be posting up a lot because you do have that inherent advantage of your size in the post. So if you can have AD out there with Drummond at the weak side dunker spot, and he's flashing to the middle when they send help from that side, that's going to be some, some good basketball. Whereas running ball screens with junkier spacing can get tricky. Um, but I, I don't know. The team has seemed to do a better job at attacking those sorts of things. And something I've also noticed recently is the team has run more ball screens from deeper positions on the court where someone almost from like the mid post position will have a ball screen set for them in a way that it's close enough to the rim that you can't have a weak side tag. So either, either nobody stops the ball screen, the, the, the ball handler, and they get to the rim. We saw 80 dunk on that last night. Or they do stop him and that screener has inside position and no help coming from the weak side. And we've also seen that little pocket pass for, I think, a really nice drum and strong dunk. So those deeper ball screens, whether it's big to big or guard big or big guard, whatever it happens to be, that action is something we've seen for three games in a row used more and more and more and is something that I think can be really important because this Warriors team is a team that's going to switch a lot. So if they're going to switch... If they're, if I'm going to have them switch, I'd rather have them switch five feet from the rim. So we're right there and can go attack it mm-hmm. instead of switching at the top of the key. And then the Lakers need to go set something up and it gives the defense a chance to send extra help or try to scramble out of the switch. So that to me is another thing that 
addresses the Lakers weakness in attacking switches and ball screens. And in a way that's coming at the perfect time to play a golden state team that switches among the, the most of any uh, pick and roll defenses out there. So they, they switch more of the pick and rolls than any team out West in the playoffs or play in other than the Clippers. And they've had the eighth best pick and roll defense. So this is all coming at the perfect time because this lined up is a game where the Lakers are going to post up a bunch because they think they can, and they're going to run a bunch of ball screens and they're going to get switched and it turns into more post-ups. And if you weren't countering the help, well, that's a, that's an issue. And that gives this team like a legitimate chance for, for, for golden state to win. Um, but given what we've seen over the past week, I feel way, way more confident than I did before. Um, this is their ISO defense is about average. So if you want to isolate from the perimeter attack with LeBron or AD, you could do that as well although they do send a, an above average amount of help more than any non Lakers West playoff or play in team. So keep that in mind. They're going to send extra help. This is their thing. Warriors are going to use the tactics. You just have to counter them. Um, last couple notes for me, offensively, I would look at attacking staff. He hides in the tracking data, in his defensive role, all that stuff. Bazemore is going to guard the opposing team point guard a lot of times. And Steph's going to go hide on somebody who's an off ball player. He'll go hide on KCP or Wes or Caruso, or whoever it happens to be. So what I would do, especially against a team that's switching ball screens, go put Steph's man in a bunch of inverted ball screens or ghost screens where KCP runs up to LeBron, sets that screen and then sprints into like his, his pick and pop. Maybe you get a mismatch. Maybe you get KCP wide open. So I'd look at doing that. And I'd look at doing a lot of those step up ball screens along the sideline where I know during the regular season, I was like, man, this needs to be a guard set or a big setting in the screen for a guard. So you switch into a better mismatch, but you can set, have like KCP set a screen for Schroeder to get Schroeder attacking down the baseline against Steph instead of against Bazemore. Um, and if not, you, you set up that mismatch for the rest of the possession. So if it's Schroeder, LeBron or THT out there, hell, even Anthony Davis, I would be looking to have Steph put in a lot of ball screen situations so you can get a bad defender defending, get him exerting energy on the defensive end and potentially drawing some fouls as well. So that's, that's would be a small point of emphasis of mine as well is go, go at that guy because it's hard to carry the whole load offensively. It's even harder to play good defense for 40 minutes or however long he's going to play and then also carry the load offensively. So I think this is a winning game plan. It's still one game. The Lakers shoot four for 17 on threes. It's anybody's game. Yeah. But it looks like I see the the Lakers showing the right answers offensively for what the Warriors like to do in a way they weren't in a week or a week ago. And I see the Lakers defense being having the personnel, like you said, with the guard rotation and having the big men, um, especially playing 80 at the five to be able to defend Golden State in ways that we couldn't see Utah or Memphis or Phoenix defend them. All right, man. Well, I appreciate all the awesome work you put into that. Um, I am excited to see Lakers in the postseason one more season and uh, never seen a non back to back in my lifetime. So thank you for that. I I'm going to go, I got to go on a little, you know, post vax trip here, go catch the Lakers. And, uh, but I am bringing my stuff. So we'll be ready to go uh, after the game. You know, if they are playing the, the number two seed Phoenix suns, or if they're going to have to play one more game in the play in we will see, but uh, we will be here, Tim. And uh, until next time, you know, go Lakers. Huh? All right. Sweet. The mad dash begins. Um, I...
like send it to me anyway, but I'm probably just going to use the Zoom audio because it was fine. Okay, cool. Sweet. I'll send that to you now. Uh, and but I should get back to work. Yeah, I got to go too. Thanks, buddy. All right, take care. I'll have, have a good trip. All right, Thanks, bro. Later. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.